What is up, you guys? And welcome to the Beneath the Armor podcast, where we discuss what goes on beneath the metaphorical armor we put on every single day to mask as typical functional humans when really we are all just big weirdos deep down inside. We talk about mental health, how we really feel. We get into the nitty gritty feelings of what it means to be a human being. So thank you so much for being here on today's episode. I'm excited to have you. So today we're going to be talking about empathy and neurodivergence. There was an amazing question in the Empath Movement Facebook group from a member or a group member who was like, hey, I'm diagnosed with ADHD and was recently, I'm also an empath and I'm recognizing a lot of commonalities between my friends who are highly empathetic and who have ADHD. Do these two things overlap? What do they have in common? what's it all about? Can anyone give me clarity? Uh, And I'm certainly not an expert in this area by any means. I'm absolutely not. I'm a human who's just read a lot of information uh, on the topic, but I would love to shed some light and at least state kind of my opinion on this area. And maybe this is helpful to any of you listening to this. So in my experience as an empath and with someone who absolutely has some ADHD symptoms for sure, uh, but also has a plethora of other symptoms of other types of mental illness or neurodivergent types. Like that's what we're going to get into today. So it's my opinion that for any of you who have read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, there's a really, really amazing outline and overview of the DSM, where the DSM came from, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual on all the different mental illnesses or neurodivergent types you can have and criteria to qualify for a particular illness. And in, in the DSM and where the DSM came from, is essentially rooted in this belief that like, if you were different from what's normal, AKA what is promoted and reinforced in society, capitalist, patriarchal, cishet, white values, then you were different. And in The Body Keeps the Score, which is an amazing book and highly recommend reading, by the way, there's kind of this theory put out by the author, not even theory, it's backed by psychological and research support that all of the symptoms experienced by anyone with any kind of neurological difference are basically trauma responses. And so that brings us to the follow-up question of what is trauma? And if you're wondering where I'm going with empathy in terms of this, we're getting there. So in this book and a variety of other books, trauma is described as any event. It doesn't need to be a massive death or loss or accident, but anything that you personally would define as being traumatic or something that has hurt you in some way, emotionally, physically, otherwise. And and what to one person might be trauma, to another person might just be totally normal, mundane, everyday life experience. So you experience a trauma and as a result, you develop coping mechanisms and a conditioning pattern because our brain is in this constant state of fight or flight mode, looking for scanning for threats. So something has hurt us, fight or flight mode. We are in fight, flight, fawn, freeze, whatever, high cortisol, 
mode. And we have to learn to cope with that situation in order to bring our body back down to a calm, regular parasympathetic state. How we learn to do that and how we learn to stay safe becomes our coping mechanism to deal with that trauma. That's piece number one here. So that's the trauma part of it. The second part of it comes back to the body keeps the score, the DSM, and all of these criteria for mental illness. And the theory, again, that's kind of postulated is that all of those symptoms are just trauma responses. They're just ways of coping with trauma. And that goes into, well, what are the symptoms of ADHD or attention deficit hyperactive disorder? And it's trouble paying attention for long durations. It could be hyper fixation on some things and then getting wildly distracted, having trouble staying on task or making lists or coming up with a schedule in your brain. Uh, there are also other criteria that might be different for men versus women in, in the DSM. But if you have trouble communicating with others or listening to what someone's saying because you want to chime in and, and voice your opinion because that's your way of feeling heard and contributing to conversation, those are all parts of ADHD but are also normal human behaviors. And it's the same thing, not just for ADHD, but any other mental illness. So what if someone has borderline personality disorder, which is characterized by high levels of empathy and people pleasing and being able to chameleon your personality, so to speak, into the persons that you're communicating with in order to uh, avoid rejection and to be liked. And, and I personally, again, this is all my opinion. I personally have trouble with the notion that uh, any of these are, are problematic and really different because they just sound like normal human behaviors to me that anyone could exhibit depending on the situation. So why would someone meet the criteria for one of these versus not? And in the DSM, you have to meet a certain number of criteria in a certain frequency. And my brain just goes to, well, wouldn't that be directly correlated with the amount of trauma they face? If you experience more trauma and you keep building on those conditioning patterns, the coping mechanisms, those are just going to rise in relation to your trauma unless otherwise addressed. Um, and so let's go back to the initial question for a second, which is how does ADHD tie into empathy and can you be an empath and have ADHD? Are they related? Are they not related? Where does that line up? And this is my theory. My theory is that empathy is a, a human trait. It's a characteristic. It's, an, it's not a personality type. It's not something one of us or some of us are that others aren't, but rather it's a, it's a trait that we can learn and practice and build and develop. It's a skill. Similarly, ADHD is the title given an umbrella term to a bunch of different criteria that are all traits, much like empathy is. So it might be that someone realizes or recognizes that they have a high level of empathy, which can also be a trauma response, by the way, in conjunction with a lot of the symptoms of ADHD. So let's give an example of this and kind of like make it nice and succinct. I, I can only speak from my own personal experience. So I'm going to use a story of mine. And that story it ties back to my childhood. And I was raised, I'm an only child, and I was raised by two parents who had me very young 
And they were raised in families where what was normal in our family was you always put other people first, you always put yourself second. Uh, anytime someone's upset, make sure their needs are met. Anytime someone else needs something, make sure you're taking care of them. So naturally, as a result, I learned to prioritize other people's needs and to take care of the other people. I also was in a very inconsistent childhood where sometimes I'd get very positive reactions and sometimes was heavily criticized, but for the same thing, so it seemed. And as a result, I had to get very good at predicting what people's moods were and how they would react in certain situations so that I would feel loved and safe. It comes back to that fight or flight mode, right? You as a human want to feel safe. So I was like, okay, how am I going to feel safe in this situation? Well, I get good at reading the people, my parents, and I learned that if I act nicely, if I put on a smile and I'm happy and I take care of others and I don't act out, then act out in quotes, obviously, then I will be safe and I will be loved. And so as a result, I developed empathy as a skill to keep myself safe. Now, in addition to that, I didn't realize that this was a term until recently. Obviously, as a child, I didn't know. But it's come to my attention that there's a term called masking, where you learn how to do what is normal in order to quote unquote, fit in, um, because no one wants to be an outsider. We are inherently social beings. We need um, a, a feeling of belonging in community to feel safe and heard and loved. It all comes back to those fundamental needs. So as I got older, I realized that the way I did things was a little unusual. Um, and the behaviors that I had developed to manage my life were very similar to those of ADHD. So my, my parents would fight when I was younger and I recognized that when they would fight, I would pull away and retract and retreat and go into my own little world. I really liked my own space. I learned that I could rely on myself. I learned that I could trust myself, um, but I had a very hard time focusing when those things happened. I had a very hard time paying attention. In school, I was naturally a very good kid, good student, I should say, um, but I had a very hard time staying on task and, unless I was hyper fixated on it. So it was always one or the other. I was like, I'm hyper-focused and really in if I'm calm and I'm completely scatterbrained and all over the place if I'm not calm. And so my therapist and I have talked about this and she was like, well, have you ever considered that that's a coping mechanism, coping mechanism of yours for dealing with trauma and hard things. When you experience a threat and when you feel stressed or threatened, you go into either chaotic, I can't focus mode or hyper fixation move, mode to completely remove yourself from the situation and feel safe. And similarly, when you're feeling calm, when you feel too calm, you feel like you're not safe because you're anticipating something happening. So that could be chaotic or you also feel calm and so can hyper focus or be all over the place. And I was like, this sounds really confusing. I'm not sure that I follow. And she was like, they're, they're just normal ways, they're behaviors that you and a bunch of other people exhibit to manage stress, it's the bottom line. And to come full circle, again, back to empathy and ADHD, my thought is that there is no such thing as being neurotypical or neurodivergent. 
That's a loaded statement to say, but hear me out. So neurodivergence is a term that was coined in, I want to say the 1990s. Yes, 1990s. I think it was Judy Singer. I could be wrong. Um, but it was related to autism and autism spectrum disorder. Um, kind of to give a term to people who did not function normally, people who did things differently. That's it. It's neurodivergent, different from the norm. Um, and then there were neurotypical people, people who did things normally and typically. And my thought was like, well, who defines what's different and what's typical? Who makes, who decides that? And as a society, we decide that, not as individuals, but on a larger scale, uh, by positively reinforcing or negatively reinforcing different characteristics. And so what does our society positively or negatively reinforce? Well, we positively reinforce working in nine to five, anything related to capitalism and patriarchal cishet white values. I'm going to keep coming back to those terms because that's what's encouraged in society. You grow up and you study and you go to high school and you graduate high school to go to university, to work really hard, to get the grades, to get the job, to meet the person, to get married, to have the two kids in the car and the house and you have kids and then they grow up and then you retire, you move to Florida. I don't know. Like that's the stereotype. That's the norm. And how people communicate is, oh, hey, Jim, how's the weather? Susie doing great? Awesome. Love that for you. Like that's normal. But that all goes hand in hand with that. Like if people follow this model, then the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, the white people who are in charge stay in charge and nothing changes. Typical and normal things are just the way things have done. They're anti-change. And change isn't a bad thing. Change is the only thing that's certain in this world. So neurodivergent people, here's my theory, are totally normal humans, but we are the people who have either developed different coping mechanisms that are opposed to societally typical values, or we have learned that we do things differently. We're consciously aware of this, or maybe we've been given a diagnosis and, and that diagnosis has at least made us aware of those specific symptoms. And it others us from people who are typical. Now, are typical people and neurotypical people and neurodivergent people actually different? And I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I have a theory. I have lots of theories. My theory is no. I think all humans are humans. And I think that when, again, my opinion, I think that when people are surrounded by, naturally surrounded by people who look like them, sound like them, reinforce their beliefs, validate their feelings and tell them that they are good and enough exactly as they are, that that person will feel good and enough and, and not, that's not a stress. That's not a trauma. They are being positively reinforced for who they are, which by default will put them in a parasympathetic state. There's no fight or flight. You're not being triggered. You're not being traumatized. There's no stress. You are calm. You are in your safe zone. If you're not in a safe zone, because let's say you are, I'm, I, again, I'm gonna talk from personal experience. I am queer, I am non-binary, I'm a woman. Um, and so as a woman, 
I was raised in a patriarchal society where I've learned to act and look a certain way. And if I didn't act and look that certain way that was in keeping with what a white woman looked like, then there would be repercussions, there would be consequences. There was bullying in school. There were men who would tell me that I would never get a partner. There were men who told me I was prettier and I was like more attractive when I looked a certain way, which reinforces that I should look a certain way and be a certain way. Similarly, like as a non-binary human, I'm currently surrounded with everything is gendered, everything is biased, everything is men's and women's and separate. So I feel like the weirdo for being different, but the reality is I decided to be non-binary. That took some unpacking, that took some awareness. And so I think there are probably plenty, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of straight people who present as whatever their birth sexes and identify with whatever their given gender is, who, who might actually be non-binary and don't know it yet, or, or people who want to be a man who are a woman, people who want to be a woman who are a man, people who wish they could experience different things, but they don't know it. We have to come into awareness of that, right? Uh, and so I think there are neurotypical people who are masking and don't know that they're masking, or, and, and, there are neurotypical people who are positively reinforced for who they are just because they, they won the genetic lottery of being a cishet white man with the same values as those that are perpetuated in society. Uh, and so I think there will come a time where everyone realizes that they all have the capacity at least to experience the symptoms and the signs of ADHD of autism, of narcissistic personality disorder, of borderline personality disorder, who are highly empathetic, who are highly narcissistic, who are somewhere in between, because all of those things are just traits, not the disorder itself. Um, it's terrible calling people disordered, not a fan, but where they experience the traits of those disorders, quote unquote, we, we all experience all of those symptoms in various doses and they change. They change every single day. They change with what's going on in our world and with the trauma that we're experiencing. And so if you are a highly empathetic person, because you've learned to be that way and, and you also have a diagnosis of ADHD, I want you to know that you are totally normal and being a human and experiencing those things. And you are special because you're you and you're not different or other because you are those things. Those things are human. And um, I'd love to see a world where we can open the floor to more conversations about this and talk about how all of the criteria in the DSM are just human behaviors and traits and ways of coping and normalize those things. And then there are a bunch of conversations to be had about capitalism and the patriarchy and sexism, but that's a conversation for another day, I think. So I'm hoping something in this rant today was helpful. <laughs> and if there are any questions or if there are topics you would like to see along these lines, or if you have further follow-up questions about empathy and ADHD or neurodivergence, I would love to talk about them and hear your thoughts. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this today. And uh, you're awesome.
Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode. I so appreciate it. And if you have more topics you would like to hear about or want to learn more, you can find us at abhmovement.com, abhmovement on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, or hit us up in our Empath Movement Facebook group. Have an amazing day today and thank you so much again.